Hello, and welcome to Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. Good morning, Toastmasters. This is your podcast host, Don Griffith. I'm here today with Travis Harden. Travis, welcome to the podcast. Hey, top of the morning to you, Don. Top of the morning, top of the afternoon or evening, wherever you are and listening in to this podcast or watching. Uh, great to be here, Don. Travis, tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself to our listeners. Travis Harden, my introduction is simple. Husband of 15 years, father of 12 years. My daughter will turn 12. I'm sorry, my daughter will turn 13 next month in September. She's excited about that. My wife and I are not excited about that. She's happy to be a teenager. That is my life. Professional speaking, consulting, all those things come secondary to father, husband, and growing myself as a man. And that includes Toastmasters and public speaking. When and why did you get involved in Toastmasters? Tell us about those early days. Wow, Don. We'd have to go back in the travel machine, the way back machine to 2008. I was presenting and speaking at that time already, but I wasn't good at it. I thought I was great, Don. I thought I was great. But I learned in one of my mentors at that time in the financial industry told me about Toastmasters. I was hesitant. I was a little resistant at first. But I did seek out because it was directly across the street from my office at Old Historic City Hall, Old Historic City Hall, downtown Phoenix. And I went and I enjoyed my very first meeting. And I saw then, just from that initial meeting, how ineffective I was being as a speaker, as a communicator, and more importantly, I learned later as a connector. Did you join right away or did it take some time to convince you to do that? I want to say it was, it was a it was a expeditious decision. It wasn't right away that same day, but within probably two to three weeks, I was a member. And part of that, I know there was a week or two in between because I went back to my employer to find out, hey, this is professional development. What do we do for this? And I uncovered a number of options and opportunities and later on encouraged other team members to follow the same path because it was covered as professional development by the organization. That also implies that the business, the company, encouraged it. They understood the value of it by making it official, officially sanctioned within their training program. That's great. When you joined, tell me about your very first meeting as a member because now when you're a guest, you can get a buy on a lot of things. You know, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do table topics. Tell us about that very first meeting as a member. I, I will say 
for those Toastmasters watching this, I was spoiled. I was spoiled rotten because the culture of Noontime Toastmasters, which was my very first and has been my only club that I've been a part of since 2008, that culture still exists today. Loving, caring, empathetic, compassionate. And, and one would say, man, that, that sounds like a, a, a family. Well, Noontime was that at that time. And we'll probably get into it as I share more about the gentleman who literally took me under his wing from that very first meeting on. His name was Leonard Knight. And he helped to mold me and encouraged me every step of the way when I didn't see how to tell a story, when I didn't see how to connect with people. I just thought public speaking was being able to enunciate effectively so people could hear you and project so people could hear you. But there's so much more to it than that. And people like Leonard Knight from that very first meeting took me, they didn't get in front of me, they didn't get behind me, they stood right by my side and walked me through what it is to be not only an effective Toastmaster, but an effective communicator, speaker, and leader in my home and in my community. I remember Leonard Knight very well. I joined Toastmasters in 1997 and he was very active then. Is is he still with us or has the... No, he, he passed on, unfortunately, uh, about a year later. Okay. And and so we lost him. Uh, and, and a lot of what I do today, I attribute and contribute to Leonard Knight's undergirding of me at that time. He, he was very instrumental in really breaking me out of a shell that I wasn't, that I was not even aware of at that time. Right. I find that very true that it's the people within the group, within the club. There's always a, a few special ones who will help you. And like you said, be there with you standing side by side. So were you doing professional speaking then or did that come later? I was doing it then, meaning I was being compensated. I was being paid, but I didn't have a business model. It was just when opportunities came, Don, and, and organizations would, would compensate me for whether it's traveling to and from, uh, paying for my lodging, paying for the speak. I, I didn't understand the business side of it. And so the professional side was there. But again, I, I was not as effective as I, as I learned that I could be. And so the effective side of the professional speaking has come with growth and the maturation process and, and simply growing. Now, we both know that Toastmasters is not, is not around to help professional speakers per se. A lot of professional speakers start in Toastmasters. We know that. So did you learn those other aspects of your business, those professional side, the the business model, the accounting, all of, you know, the, the uh, promotion aspects. How did you learn those skills? 
That is a million dollar question. And the best way to sum up that answer is I had to dig and dig and dig and dig for conferences, for material that best suits the model that, that Travis Harden needed. I could lay out a roadmap of what I did, and that's not going to be effective for every business, every business model, every speaker, every professional speaker that comes along behind me. So, so things like John Mac, people like John Maxwell, people like Tony Robbins, people like, to name a few people, I, I, Dale Carnegie, things like how to remember people's names. There's workshops on how to remember people's names. There's marketing uh, material out there. Everyone has something that they can provide. And the digging comes by looking at maybe five or so different marketing or accounting models and determining the best one for me. It's not a one size fits all. And in doing that, in researching that, in going to conferences, and, and then becoming a part of the John Maxwell team where all of that is taught. And I have mentors at the executive level on John's team that teaches us marketing, that teaches us presence, and that teaches us how to close sales, that teaches us the accounting side of things. It's, it's building a team around you and then having mentors of mine in the business world who have had businesses for 20 plus years and understanding how they've been able to to develop their businesses so don the reason why i say that you can get so many answers but for me it was digging until i found what fit my niche and how my business model was going was growing at that time and is at today Great. So it sounded like the resources were out there. You had to do your research. You had to do homework to yes. find out not only what was available, but were there other organizations like the John Maxwell organization that you could be part of and learn those new skills that Toastmasters is not designed for. Toastmasters helps people with a lot of things, but the professional side of speaking is not one of them. And that's intentional. It's not the purpose. You, you you hit it on the head, and I'm getting old, Don. When you get to be my age, when you think of something, you have to get it out right now. You're young. You're a young guy. So when you get to be my age, you'll, you'll understand that when you have a thought, you better say it because in 10 seconds, it's gone and it will not come back. Uh, but, but Toastmasters has been just that, Don. It's a stepping stone. Think of it as climbing stairs. You can't get to the second level with just one step. And, and so Toastmasters provided that step or a couple of the first steps because there are people, there were people and still are people who were professionals at that time in 2008 when I joined. And I started watching and learning and wondering how did they get to that? And I started asking questions. Questions are, are, are the biggest artillery that we could have as Toastmasters asking one another in a safe environment. Hey, I noticed you were speaking overseas or in a different state. 
was that a paid opportunity? I don't need to know what you were paid, but but how did you get to that level? And and it's it's learning to take those steps. And then when I learned of all those opportunities outside of Toastmasters, that's when the digging process began. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but have you been able to help others who are like you, like you were, who are seeking but are lost in that sea of of information? Have you had a chance to mentor a, a young professional coming up? Yes, a few. And and again, I attribute that drive to Leonard because without Leonard and others, I, I, I'm saying Leonard, others who are still a part of Toastmasters, Ruby Dirks, Rose Ferguson, Bobby O'Connell, who was a part of when the, the Speakers Bureau first began back during those years, 2008, 9, 10 timeframe, when, when this district Toastmasters Speakers Bureau was really at the, at the ground level, at the roots. Those individuals helped me and I owe them the time, the effort they put in to Travis. And I, I pay that forward by helping. And I have helped a number of individuals, Don. And, and the funny thing is you don't realize how much digging you're doing. I didn't know how much work I had put in until a few mentees mentioned, man, this is a lot of work. I didn't realize how much goes into this. I'm just doing it because I'm passionate about it. I want to make a difference, Don. And when people start pointing out all the things that you're doing, you, you, you do have to sacrifice. You have to make sacrifices if you want to be effective. Now you can be middle of the road. You can be average, which is a cuss word to me. That's a bad word. I do not want to be average. I, I want to make a difference and I want to show people Hey, you can do this, but it's going to take work. So many people today, Don, they have uphill vision, but they have downhill work ethic. Now, you mentioned the Speakers Bureau. Tell us more about that. I understand the Speakers Bureau in the last year or two has taken on uh, some new energy and a new shape. Tell us about your involvement with the Speakers Bureau. Don, the Speakers Bureau has grown. I, I was not a part of it when it started. But I will say that the forefathers of the District 3 Speakers Bureau back when it started to now, if they were to come back around and look at what it has turned into because of their vision, because of their hard work, they would be very pleased. And we're not done. Our involvement now includes not just speaking, but all the elements that you asked about, the marketing, how to how to get out and close a potential deal, what it's like to do a discovery call. You can't you can't just sit and wait for your phone to ring or receive a text or Instagram and, and think you're going to make it. No, you, you have to build prospects, potential prospects, and, and what it is to have discovery calls, what types of questions 
to ask and, and how to connect with potential prospects and clients. We go over those things and a number of things, what it is to have a reel and what it is to have a one sheet. Toastmasters is again, that step. Speakers Bureau takes us to that next step on, okay, I don't even know those things exist. What are those things that I do not know yeah. about? And that's where the Speakers Bureau comes in to hopefully help you with it, it, it. It's again, it's not a one size fits all. We don't cover everything there is out there because we don't know everything. But we are a group of individuals who have been tested, tried, and 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 we've been run through the mud a little bit. I've, we, we've all had our fair share of ups and downs and we share those stories. And that's part of the connecting that I talked about earlier that I, I didn't even know was an important part to public speaking and professional speaking when dealing with adding value to people and others. That leads me into my next question. What do you do with your professional speaking career? What are the messages you have? What are the kinds of people you're trying to reach? Hope. Encouragement. And love. Don. I, I do. At one time, I focused on the financial industry. And how we build morale within the financial industry. That took a turn that I didn't even know was happening. And it led me into the insurance world and then the healthcare industry. And I found myself trying to change my message to fit every crowd. And that was a huge mistake. So the reason why I started with hope, encouragement and love it's because as professional speakers, don't look to change your message for every crowd or for every event or for every venue. You have your message and then you change the crowd. And so my audiences are audiences, regardless of what sector they're in, public, private, if they're looking for hope, if they're looking for encouragement, if they're looking for a ray of love, that's my crowd. That's where I go speak. If, if, if it's a Fortune 50 company, Don, and they're looking to boost morale, and, and this is why discovery is so important, the discovery phase of a potential client. It, it could be a great client paying great money doing great things and, and through the speakers bureau i'm going to to tell you that's not the right fit for you but 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 travis but don i can make x amount of money doing this it, it's not a great fit for you i've walked away from opportunities because it's not a great fit for me I, i'm looking to spread love encouragement and hope and if during that discovery, I see that that leadership team or that organization is not truly behind those values, it's not a good fit for me. I'm not going to change my message. I'm going to change the crowd that my message goes to. I like that idea. 
tell me about a particularly effective meeting or client you had without giving us any names of course where you that transformation process really worked and it just really excited you and made you really want to get up the next day and do this again there's a few that I, I hold near and dear to my heart, but there was a client just after COVID had happened. Well, after COVID was really exposed in June of last year, so just over a year ago. And again, this is my thought process. I thought I could not be effective because they were going to cancel but we talked about the option of virtual, having the conference be virtual. And my thought was, man, I love connecting with people. I cannot connect, Don. I can't do this virtually. It's, it's not going to be good. And I learned the total opposite. We did the conference. I, I was able to meet with virtually and by phone a couple of the leadership team members prior to the conference. And they shared a couple of challenges that they were having. And connecting was, was the consensus. And I talked about love. And I talked about hope. And I encouraged the group because I had stories to share. And I received so many emails, Don. And the reason why this one was so near and dear to me is because I have never received feedback from so many team members and employees within the within any organization. And this was a medium sized organization. I've spoken to. Tens of thousands of individuals and never received this many responses back. About how I helped them become not only better. In their professional life. But the encouragement that was shared in personal life, because I shared stories about the leadership team that I had talked about. I shared stories about my wife and I. I shared stories about my daughter and some of the challenges that we've had dealing with COVID. That was that was only two to three months in, Don. Here we are, what, 17, 18 months later, and we're still going through it. And, and that's one that's really near and dear to me because I thought this is going to be a, a total failure but it ended up being one of my, my more memorable clients and more memorable experiences because of the feedback and because of the transformation. I like that word you use that so many team members have been able to make since we last met in June of last year virtually. On the flip side of that question is the one that maybe you don't want to talk about. Have you had what I would call cautionary tales, you know, something that did not go well and you learned from it. Discovery, 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 learning what the agenda is going to be for a conference that that became a staple of my process of speaking. Learn what other speakers are going to be on the agenda or, or on the the program, what order are the speakers going in? What are the topics that are going to be discussed? And, and this one will forever be uh, number one for me is 
I was speaking at a conference and not knowing the speaker before me just dropped a gut-wrenching story, phenomenal story about his life and his battle with cancer. And then he battled cancer, not only personally, but then his wife battled cancer. And although I was able to, to speak and be effective, how do you follow that up? How that that that's one that I I don't like to talk about because I was emotionally charged off of what that speaker had said. And it left me thinking, I have nothing else to say, although I did, but it was tough. Yeah. And, and so just learning, Don, that that's one that I I, I I suppress. But it was a valuable lesson learned that I implement before I speak anywhere. Now, uh, I suppress that because that was a t that was a very tough act to follow and and. I, I really don't like sharing that because that was really one of a few times, only a few times where I seriously did not want to go up and speak after that person had, had finished. If you, if you had known that that speaker was going to be there, what would you have done differently? I would have asked specifically to rearrange the order so that he could go last and, and, golden nugget for not only the Speakers Bureau, but for anyone who's watching or listening. It's never about you. It's always about the audience. And I felt, I knew, it, 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 it wasn't even a thought. I felt in my heart that that audience needed nothing else. That is what they were there for, to hear the tears that that there may not have been a dry eye in the room. And and in being there for the audience, it's like, okay, what do I say or what do I do to continue to encourage and lift them from this point? That that really should have been the closeout because so much impact and so much positivity came from what was shared. And and again, I, I learned a valuable lesson. But but it, it's it, it was draining for me yeah. in that moment. So always know the order that the speakers are going in on the program, on the agenda, and, and do some digging and research on what the topics that will be discussed, because you do not want to find yourself in a, in a difficult circumstance or situation like that. We're, we're approaching the end of the, the session, Travis. A couple of things before we go. Some last advice for aspiring professional speakers. I, you've given us some advice along the way, but what would be your closing comment to someone who has been in Toastmasters for a while and has an itch to, to hang up their shingle and try to be a professional speaker? What would you advise to them? Love people more than yourself. Easier said than done. And, and the reason why I say that, Don, because you will be 
talked down to, you will be disrespected, you will be loved, you will be respected. Your emotions will go from high to low. If you focus on loving people, you will not get too high, you will not get too low. You will be able to stay on a consistent scale where you tell yourself and the people around you who are truly in your corner, you know what? I'm doing this for the love of people. It's, there are times, there are times, Don, when when I want to throw in the towel because of how nasty the business side of any profession can be. The, 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 the saying goes, people do not leave companies, people do not leave leave organizations, people do not leave institutions, they leave people. And the reason why I say love people more than anything else is because you will want to leave, you fill in the blank with an organization because that that HR manager or that that executive told you some things that that you you wanted to just throw something through the virtual screen and hit them or you're in a, you're in person in a meeting in a discovery meeting and and they say something that that you're not good enough or you're not you, you could you couldn't you don't have a story for this organization or you couldn't and it's like of people because I've had instances where I wanted to say something but I had to I learned it in Toastmasters tame my tongue tame our tongue and i didn't say anything in a couple of years down the road that same executive was somewhere else and i came in and spoke and i spoke to the heart of that individual and they came up and apologized for the way that they treated me years before but because i had love for people at that time it was not easy it was not easy do not sit here and think and that I'm saying it was easy. It was a challenge because I wanted to say, I had choice words in my head, but my tongue was tamed. If you had lashed out and said the things that were on the tip of your tongue, that breakthrough moment years later would never have happened. Never. Would have never happened. Travis, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. These have been wonderful stories and and great insights, not only into how Toastmasters can help people, but how you have developed into a professional speaker in more than just the speaking. If someone wants to reach out to you, either for advice from one of our members or professionally to talk about booking you for an event, how can they reach you? Reach me on LinkedIn, Travis Harden, T-R-A-V-I-S-H-A-R-D-I-N. Look me up on LinkedIn. You'll see you'll see my smiling face. You'll see my pearly whites. I, I, I just look for smiles. And then also Travis Harden at Hotmail.com. I, I would love to have an opportunity to serve you and what you're looking to do. If it's something I can help with, Don and I as a as a group, if we can help or the speakers group, it's it's a group effort. It's not a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's a group effort because again. I just shared, I'm not here because of me. I'm standing on the shoulders of many giants. Travis, thank you so much for your insights and your wisdom. I really appreciate it. And I believe our members are going to enjoy listening to this podcast. Don, it's been my pleasure. Hey, go have a great day, my friend.
We hope you enjoyed this edition of Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. To volunteer to be featured on the podcast or to suggest future topics, write podcast at aztoastmasters.org. That email again is podcast at aztoastmasters.org. Toastmasters International and all other Toastmasters International trademarks and copyrights are the sole property of Toastmasters International. This podcast is independent of Toastmasters International. It is not endorsed by, sponsored by, affiliated with, or otherwise connected with Toastmasters International, other than for the use of the name Toastmasters International.